Well, let me, on this Mother's Day, not only wish you a happy Mother's Day, but also let me share a little bit with you. I kind of do this uh, each time, each year, to uh, share some, I guess, mom moments, words of uh, reflection, especially reflection of a mother. And I think this may help mothers and their children, no matter what age they are, with some perspective of their relationship. Let me read this to you, a reflection of a mother. I gave you life, but I cannot live it for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can give you directions, but I cannot be there to lead you. I can allow you freedom, but I cannot account for it. I can take you to church, but I cannot make you believe. I can teach you right from wrong, but I cannot always decide for you. I can buy you beautiful clothes, but I cannot make you beautiful inside. I can offer you advice, but I cannot accept it for you. I can give you love, but I cannot force it upon you. I can teach you to share, but I cannot make you unselfish. I can teach you respect, but I cannot force you to, to show honor. I can advise you about friends, but cannot choose them for you. I can advise you about sex, but I cannot keep you pure. I can tell you the facts of life, but I can't build your reputation. I can tell you about drink, but I, don't, but I, but I can't say no for you. I can warn you about drugs, but I can't prevent you from using them. I can tell you about lofty goals, but I can't achieve them for you. I can teach you about kindness, but I can't force you to be gracious. I can warn you about sins, but I cannot make you moral. I can love you as a child, but I cannot place you in God's family. I can pray for you, but I cannot make you walk with God. I can teach you about Jesus, but I cannot make Jesus your Lord. I can tell you how to live, but I cannot give you eternal life. I can love you, I can love you with unconditional love all of my life, and I will. And I trust that's a good perspective on both parts of this relationship of mom and kids. I also stumbled across some principles of motherhood. I think we uh, probably could apply not just to moms, but all of us. But uh, in, in, this, in this case, I think it would apply mostly to motherhood here. But principles of motherhood, let me share some with you. Motherhood, if it was going to be easy, it never would have started with something called labor. Shouting to make your children obey is like using the horn to steer your car and you get about the same results. <laughs> to be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. And the smartest advice on raising children is to enjoy them while they are still on your side. <laughs> Avenge yourself. Live long enough to be a problem to your children. <laughs> like I said, it's not, probably not motherhood, but all kinds. The best way to keep kids at home is to make the home a pleasant atmosphere and to let the air out of the tires. <laughs> the right temperature in a room is maintained by warm hearts, not by hot heads. Raising a teenager is like nailing jello to a tree. Parents, people, are who, people who bear infants, bore teenagers, and bored newlyweds, <laughs> sometimes. The joy of motherhood. What a woman experiences when all the children are finally in bed. Life's golden age is when the kids are too old to need babysitters and too young to borrow the family car. 
Any child can tell you that the sole purpose of a middle name is so he can tell when he's really in trouble. Grandparents are similar to a piece of string, handy to have around and easily wrapped around the fingers of grandchildren. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> a child outgrows your lap, but never outgrows your heart. And God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. And there are three ways to get something done. Do it yourself, hire someone to do it, or forbid your children to do it. <laughs> you know the only people in this world who are always sure about the proper way to raise children? Those who have never had any. And cleaning your house while your kids are at home is like trying to shovel the driveway during a snowstorm. Oh, to be only half as wonderful as my child thought I was when he was small and half as stupid as my teenager now thinks I am. <laughs> there are only two things a child will share willingly, communicable diseases and his mother's age. <laughs> Money isn't everything, but it sure keeps the kids in touch. And adolescence is the age at which children stop asking questions because they know all the answers. And an alarm clock is a device for awakening people who don't have small children. And how do you cope when the apple of your eye becomes a bone in your throat? I don't know. No wonder kids are confused today. Half the adults tell them to find themselves. The other half tell them to get lost. And the person hardest to convince they're, they're at the retirement age are children at bedtime. <laughs> and kids really brighten the household because they never turn off any lights. So how do you know whether or not you are ready to be a mother. Let me share some things because there's some tests, apparently, that you can take. One is the mess test. Smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains, place a fish stick behind the couch, and leave it there all summer. Then you'll, you might be ready to be a mother. You might be ready to be a mother if you pass the toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon drum of Legos. If Legos are not available, you may substitute roofing tacks. Have a friend spread them all over the house. Put a blindfold on. Try to walk to the bathroom or kitchen and do not scream. This could wake a child at night. Then there's the grocery store test. Borrow one or two small animals. Goats are best. And, and take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage. <laughs> there's the dressing test. Obtain one large unhappy live octopus. They turn bright red when they are unhappy. Stuff into a small net bag, making sure that all arms stay inside. Good luck with that. There's the feeding test. Obtain a large plastic milk jug. Fill halfway with water. Suspend from the ceiling with a, a, a stout cord. Start the jug swinging. Try to insert spoonfuls of soggy cereal, such as Fruit Loops or Cheerios, into the mouth of the jug while pretending to be an airplane. Now dump the contents of the jug on the floor. Then <laughs> you might pass the feeding test. The night test. Prepare by obtaining a small cloth bag and fill it with 8 to 12 pounds of sand. Soak it thoroughly in water. At 8 p.m., begin to waltz and hum with the bag until 9 p.m. Lay down your bag and set your alarm for 10 p.m. Get up, pick up your bag, and sing every song you have ever heard. Make up about a dozen more and sing those too until 4 a.m. Set alarm for 5 a.m., get up and make breakfast. <laughs> Keep this up for five years and look cheerful. You might pass the night test. 
Then there's the physical test. Obtain a large beanbag chair and attach it to the front of your clothes. <laughs> Leave it there for nine months. <laughs> now remove 10 of the beans, just 10. <laughs> Final assignment. If, if you pass this, then I guess you're good to go. Find a couple who already have a small child. Lecture them on how they can improve their discipline, patience, tolerance, toilet training, and child's table manners. Suggest many ways they can improve. Emphasize to them that they should never allow their children to run wild. Enjoy this experience. It will be the last time you will have all the answers. Because you don't have children yet. You might pass that test. You might be good to go. You might be able to be a mother in that way. But there are some tests I've assumed that you have passed already. And you're continuing. It, motherhood is a continual exam. <laughs> that changes all the time. What are the questions? I didn't plan for this. And the thing is that each of those wonderful little children come, don't come with instructions, and they are all very different. And so, you know, if, if we, like I said before, if Becky and I had just one child, we could have written a book, and we could have done, a, you know, what you could do as far as a parent and all that. But all four of them, all five of them, the four others, they were just so different. And to be able to know how to do that, mothers, you have have a job, and you've done a job that is incredible with your children. And be encouraged that as you have raised those children up in the Lord, you might not see it now, but they will come back if they are not with the Lord. They will come back. God's Word will never return void. And as you continue to remind them of God's hope and God's love for them, they will hear. They hear you. They know. And they will come to that as well, too. Those of you who've raised your children and they are following the Lord, just give praise to God because without the grace of God, you know, none of that could happen. It doesn't matter really how much you do as a parent. Um, you can do little, you can do a whole bunch. The results come from when those children decide on their own and receive the Lord or follow the Lord in that way. So be encouraged and remember that uh, we are... We are praying for you, backing you up. Um, so thankful for mother. So thankful for my mom. And she wasn't, uh, she wasn't a Christian when I was uh, in, in my informative years and high school days and all that. But she raised me in a way that, uh, um, that I knew what was right and what was wrong, common sense, all that stuff. And I, I'm so thankful that she did. And uh, um, she didn't have a, a very easy life but she made sure that I knew what was right and what was wrong. And uh, um, uh, again, thankful for what she has done, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in heaven one of these days. But I trust that for you uh, who are here today, um, as we celebrate moms, I also too, like I said, want to acknowledge there are those who can't be moms. There are those who have moms maybe that weren't the best moms. Maybe there are moms like, I, like mine have gone on to heaven. Um, this day might be a reminder of, you know, kind of how painful that might be. I want to acknowledge that we, we, we know that, we hear that, and we pray for you as well, too. And trust that this day, you might be able to focus on maybe encouraging someone else in your life and use this day in that, that respect. Uh, as you leave today, though, what we'd like to do as well for all the women of our church, there's a rose for you. Rod's going to make sure you get one of those at the end of our service. And there's also a chocolate bar if you like milk chocolate. Got that as well. Sorry, I don't have any dark chocolate, but we have the milk chocolate. And uh, you can take 
one or two of those uh, and roses. Well, if you want to take a rose to your mom or, or in some respect to another woman in your life that you just really respect, you can do that as well too. And Rod will make sure you, you're supplied with all that and you'd be able to go, go home with those things. But happy Mother's Day. And uh, again, we, we really are so grateful for the women of our church. Thank you. Today, uh, we're going to not only look at uh, some things here today, but we're going to, uh, as far as uh, Mother's Day, but we're going to look at more of what we did with a series on um, moments with the Master. And uh, as we do that, I want to remind you that uh, um, we continue this series through this day and, and on through the month of May. And I, uh, I will get into that in the, in, further in a moment. But what I'd like to do, though, is I'd like to pray and ask God to just kind of lead and direct our time here together. And, uh, and it's just acknowledge His presence with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for this time. Lord, thank You for uh, mothers. Thank You for mothers. Thank You, Lord, for, for mother in my life and, uh, Lord, for using her to guide and direct me. And, and Lord, thank You for also to... Uh, uh, mothers that we come alongside with, uh, husbands with their wives. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would um, continue to encourage them. Continue, Lord, to remind them that you are with them through all this time. Whatever, whatever they've gone through with, with motherhood and their kids are adult now, Lord, we pray that you would just remind them that, that you, are, you are always useful, always needed, and it might not look like that a lot these days, but Lord, that you are continuing to use each of those mothers in their children's lives. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for moms. Lord, thank you for the women of our church as well, too. And we just pray, Lord, your blessing upon them. Thank you, Lord, for how you've have you led them and, and used them in ministry here in our, in our church. And we just pray, Lord, that you'd continue to raise up godly women in our church to... Uh, um, uh, take steps forward in leadership, and Lord, uh, as you use them, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to guide and direct in their lives. Lord, thank you for um, uh, just reminding us of how valuable uh, mothers uh, are in our lives, and also, too, the women in our lives as well. We just pray, Lord, that you would bless them, you would continue to uh, um, challenge them by your word, but most importantly, Lord, encourage them. Uh, Lord, thank you for this day that we have to be able to celebrate mothers. And uh, Lord, as we celebrate the women of our church as well, we pray, Lord, that uh, you, your love and, uh, and your encouragement will come across in a, in a deep way. Lord, we also pray that you'd continue to be with those in our church who need your healing touch. We ask, Lord, that you'd continue to uh, just be with uh, those who are, are, are trusting in you for the um, unspoken requests. And we ask, Lord, that you would just continue to have your hand upon those situations. We come right alongside them and pray, Lord, your will to be done in those situations. We also thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house and those who are online with us as well to join in. And uh, as we have this service together, we pray, Lord, for your continual guidance in this. And Lord, that you would be first place. You would be noticed more than anything during this time. Our attention would be upon you. And Lord, as you use me to bring your message today. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to have your words heard and not mine. And Lord, that uh, as we go away from here, that we would, we would be 
encouraged, we would be challenged by your word, uh, and Lord, we'd be ready to live out what we learn here today. But Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come together. Thank you, Lord, for this prayer list that we have in our bulletin that we can take with us and be praying for those people who are listed here. And we ask, Lord, again, that your, your will will be done in each of these people's lives. And Lord, we just thank you for each one and ask, Lord, again, your blessing upon them. Lord, thank you for today that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity to come together, to hear from you, to worship you, and Lord, uh, to learn from you. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray. Amen. And uh, Junior Church, okay. They're already down. Oh, good. Okay. I'm looking at my wife. Going, are we <laughs> yeah, we got it taken care of. Yes. All right. Well, last Sunday, we talked about, in the Moments of the Master, we talked about Nicodemus, and we mentioned a little bit about him in John chapter 3, uh, how he was haunted by something. He was hoping Jesus could give him some relief, maybe a word of encouragement or a simple key to, to peace, but Jesus really sees the real need and gives the real answer to Nicodemus that you must be born again. We talked about that last Sunday and, and looked at what born again requires. It, it, the new birth requires that we, like Nicodemus, come to Jesus and realize our, our need for Him. That exchange begins when we choose to come to God for help. We can do it on our own. We can decide it's not that bad. We can decide that uh, we can, we can uh, make do with what we have, or, you know, but we, we need to come to a realization that that's not good enough. We need to choose to come to God for help in our lives. And like Nicodemus, we don't even have to fully understand what we need. It's more important to know who can meet the need than it is to be able to fully explain it. And coming to God, He knows your heart, He knows where you're at, and He knows what you need. But Jesus can meet the deep spiritual needs that you have. And then the second thing we, we uh, discovered as far as what the new birth requires is that we come with a repentant heart. And we learned what you know, repentance uh, means, to turn and turn away from, turn towards God. And this describes what we must be willing to do. And Nicodemus came to Jesus seeking something he didn't have within himself. To find this would re require he abandon the previous course and follow a new one. And Jesus is demanding we abandon our previous journey as well, too, to surrender and follow Him in a new direction. And that's where repentance comes in. That's where a new birth, as opposed to a new start, is required. And Scripture tells us that, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You must be born again. And the key to this new life is found in that, uh, in the middle of Nicodemus' story in, the, in John chapter 3, verse 16, familiar verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So He loves, He gave, he, and we believe and we live. And the Bible makes it clear that God can give you a new life. God can remove the guilt and pardon the sin and equip you to live a life of victory and purpose. You simply need to come in repentance and turn from yourself. And so in the lesson from Nicodemus, that's, you know, we learned those things about what it means to be born again. Being at church every time the doors open, 
social media, online gaming, NASCAR, WWF, UFC, NHL, Dale, NHL, NASCAR, probably Dale's doing that too, isn't he? Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, Giants, Cubbies, General Hospital, The Young and the Restless, <laughs> 80 to 1 long shot, Rich Strike. <laughs> what do all these have in common? They are all things that people find themselves devoted to. They find themselves devoted to. There are all kinds of words we use to describe devotion. Enthusiastic, dedicated, fanatical, loyal, committed, supportive, even affectionate, loving, or dutiful. You'll find sports fanatics devoted to their team. You'll find TV watchers devoted to their shows. I can remember my, my gram, Grandma Shell. She was a kind of a, 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 a step-grandmother. And she, uh, old Russian-German lady that loved to cook, and she loved her soap operas. <laughs> and I can remember uh, during the days that didn't have any school at home, she would make sure that I had turned the channel to the right one for guiding light. She, that was hers. She loved that so much. And, of course, there's a few others that she also watched as well, too. You'll find staunch political experts devoted to their political party. The world offers as many things we could devote our lives to as there are people in the world. Just look around you. You could devote yourselves to a lot of different things. And today we continue, like I mentioned, our series on Moments with the Master, where we, dis we continue to discover that throughout Jesus' ministry, He met and influenced many lives. And, and those lives were forever changed. And to this day, lives are changed when they meet Jesus. I know that I told you that we would meet three people whose lives were changed by meeting Jesus, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, and Zacchaeus. But today I want to add another, uh, another, another changed life to the list. On this Mother's Day, we come to a lady who was devoted completely, 100%, to her master, Jesus. The woman is Mary Magdalene, and she got the privilege to be the first person to see Jesus on Resurrection Day. So if you haven't yet, turn to John chapter 20, verses 10 through 18. John, Gospel of John chapter 20, verses 10 through 18. We're going to look at this portion of Scripture and discover what we can learn from this changed life of Mary Magdalene. Starting with verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, they discovered, uh, as far as... Uh, uh, the, the, the Jesus was laid, was laid in the tomb. And verse 11, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. 
Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go and said to my brothers, and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had, what he, that he had said these things to her. And we'll stop there with the reading. Well, you, we, we don't know as much about Mary Magdalene as some would say we do. <laughs> Back a few years ago, she was the middle of a conspiracy theory that stated that she and Jesus got married, had children, and that the Catholic Church has been covering it up ever since. That was the, the gist of the Da Vinci Code, if you ever read that book or saw the movie. But an interesting but purely fictional book and movie. But over the years, people have connected her to a sinful woman, maybe a prostitute, but the Bible doesn't say that either. The Bible says she was from a town called Magdala in Galilee. So Magdalene isn't her last name. <laughs> it's where she was from. And she was set free by Jesus from demons. Not just one, but seven demons. Mary Magdalene was, was devoted to Jesus for what he had done for her. She stuck with him at the cross, and she watched his body be set in a, a, a borrowed grave on Friday afternoon. She and some other ladies went to the grave on Sunday morning and saw that the stone was rolled away. And they told the disciples, and Peter and John, uh, and Peter and John found the grave empty. And Mary was confused about all this, not knowing what had really happened. So even though she may have had doubts, and she certainly had fears, she showed her devotion. To her Lord. Now, even though, as far as we know, she was not a mother, today, this being Mother's Day, I figured we could, we could learn from her devotion. No matter who you are, you, you can learn from a woman's devotion. Not a devotion to a sport or a TV show, but devotion to Jesus. How can we become more devoted to Jesus? Now, Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he wanted his readers to have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So what does that look like? For Mary Magdalene, devotion looked like five things. I want to share those with you here today. First of all, devotion is sorrow. Devotion is sorrow. She was crying. She didn't know what had happened to Jesus' body. She was sad. She was brokenhearted. It had been an emotional couple of days. And she had watched her Lord suffer, watched her Lord die. She had watched Him get placed in a grave, and now He was gone. She was crushed. Now, I know that the circumstances are different. We didn't watch Him die, except maybe if you saw it in a movie. And we believe that he's alive today. So where does sorrow fit into our lives today? When was the last time you felt so bad for your sin that you were broken over it? When was the last time you cried before God because of your sins or your apathy? When was the last time you felt a crushing weight on your chest for the lostness of the people around you? When was the last time you prayed in passion for God to forgive you and to use you? When was the last time you humbled yourself before God and cried out in sorrow for how you've ignored Him? Psalm 51 says this, The sacrifices of God 
our broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Yes, there is a place for brokenness, for weeping, and for sorrow in a Christian's devotion. And it's a good thing. It's okay to let God humble you, to stir up emotions, and to be honest and real before Him. When you feel that, when you are led by that, it's because you, you value something so much, so much, that when you harm that relationship or harm that person in what you've done or said, you should be just pierced to the heart about it. Be real before God and allow sorrow to be part of your devotion to Him. The second thing that Mary Magdalene's devotion looked like was seeking. Devotion is seeking. Jesus showed up. She thought He was the gardener. Now, I know that, that sounds weird, but three times after He rose from the dead, His followers didn't recognize Him at first. Mary's concern for the body of Jesus overwhelmed her recognition of the presence of Jesus. You know, at times, our questions and our doubts and our theological bunny trails often distract us from seeing Jesus in our midst. People spend more time trying to figure out when Jesus is returning rather than preparing for His return. Sometimes more emphasis is placed on what you believe instead of who you believe in your relationship with Jesus? Are you Arminian or Calvinist? Do you have slight leanings towards supersensationalism and New Covenant theology? Are you post-tribulational or maybe even slightly amillennial? Do you even care? <laughs> Don't let arguments or theological wanderings or nitpicking distract you from seeing Jesus. We can be clouded by all these different ologies, doctrines as well. Don't let it cloud your relationship and being able to seek after Jesus. So when the Lord appeared, Mary Magdalene was unaware, and Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? <laughs> Who is it you are looking for? She was looking for Him. And part of our devotion is seeking, looking for him. The writer of Hebrews encourages us to have our focus on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the author, perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on Jesus. That's who we should be seeking. Seek after Him. Now, over the years, there have been the other followers of Jesus who have seen the importance of a, of a few things to help us in our devotion, how we should seek Him. The first is prayer. Obviously, she should be praying. It's almost like telling you, okay, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. As a Christian, we should be praying. We should be praying. Talking to God regularly. 
minute at a time, maybe turning off the radio in the vehicle, asking him to help your situation while you're doing dishes, all those things. Acknowledging his presence with you throughout the day. You have an issue. Let God know about it. Prayer matters and prayer works, yes. Another thing is reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. These things probably sound pretty elementary to you all, but sometimes we need to be reminded. <laughs> we need to be reminded. Reading the Bible, though, even if it's a, a few verses a day, and remember, anything is better than nothing when it comes to reading God's Word. Read some of it. Get, get it in your, your heart. Get it in your, your mind. Reading slowly through Philippians or the Gospel of John or, or the Psalms or your favorite reading plan that you might have for this year. If you want to read through the Bible in a year or if you want to read through Proverbs in a month or all these different things, there's a bunch of reading plans for you to be able to latch on to. These are important. It's why traditionally they have been called devotions. <laughs> Some of you may want to fast if you go without food during a certain amount of time. Some of you may want to take an extended period of time to get away, just you and God, a retreat, get away and connect with God. Some of you need to turn off the music, <laughs> turn off the TV, turn off the computer, set aside your smartphones and and get alone with God. No distractions. Seeking Him is important. It's part of devotion to Him. The third thing that we can learn here from Mary Magdalene's devotion is that it looked like it was, it, it, for her, it looked like it was serving. So devotion is serving. Verse 15 of, of John chapter 20 goes on to say that Mary Magdalene wanted to take care of Jesus' body. She wanted to serve Jesus, even if he was dead. Realistically, service is a characteristic of followers of Jesus. Again, like breathing in, breathing in and breathing out. Service is part of devotion to Him. It doesn't look the same for everybody, though. Some may serve in different ways. You may look at someone and go, wow, that person's really doing well, when you don't even realize you're serving as well, too, in your own way with how God has, has uh, put you together. But wanting to help out with what God is doing in the world is normal for Christians. Serving others. Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that phrase, spiritual act of worship, is actually can also be translated as reasonable service. <laughs> this is your reasonable service. Offering your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Reasonable, normal, expected <laughs> giving yourself to God, offering yourself to whatever He wants to do for you, in you, and through you. This is normal for a Christian. It's reasonable. It's not far-fetched. It's not science fiction. It's normal. It's normal to give yourself to Him. It's normal to serve Him. It's normal to worship Him. It's normal for a believer like yourself to say, Here I am, God. I will do anything you want me to do. Just let me know what that is. That's reasonable service. The fourth thing that we can learn here that Mary Magdalene's devotion looked like was seeing. Seeing. Devotion is seeing. She saw Jesus finally, and even though he, 
we see him differently. She saw in the flesh with her own natural eyes. We still see him. We see him move and act in, in this world. We see his hand doing great things. He's doing things in your neighborhood, in our community. Maybe also do in your own life. You see God working in you. But like Mary, he has to open our eyes. Right now, you might be thinking of the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Maybe Neil's thinking that going through his mind. But my ears kind of turn to another hymn. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my eyes that I may see. Glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me. Spirit divine. And very often, very often we see Jesus when we are serving Him. When we are praying for God to use us, when we don't know how to get through this thing without praying, when we are on the front lines of sharing our faith or serving in the church, that's when we see God at work. Realistically, if we want to see God moving, we need to be part of a ministry somehow somewhere inside these walls or outside in our community, in your neighborhood. That's why we're trying to be part of the Happy Valley Fun Run. Be out there to engage our community, to serve our community. And as we serve, we're able to see Jesus work through us. Too many people want to see before they believe. <laughs> and very often, we need to believe and then we will see. When, when we take our faith seriously, we see God in ways we never did before. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Devotion is seeing. And finally, the fifth thing that Mary Magdalene's devotion looked like was sharing. Devotion is sharing she saw Jesus. He spoke her name. She wanted to cling to him and never let him go. <laughs> Imagine that situation. Right there's Jesus. And you don't recognize who he is. And all of a sudden he says your name and you go, whoa, it's Jesus. Would you let him go? <laughs> I, I wouldn't let him go. I'd hold on to him. She wanted to cling to him, never let him go. But he said, go tell the others. Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. You need to let others know. Now, I'm not saying you have to go door to door, and I'm not saying you have to preach, preach Him from your rooftop. I'm saying find a way to share Him. Share Him in some way. And then maybe most of the people in your community have heard about God, but they may not have heard the truth about God. They probably heard a lot of different things about God. They may have seen, have seen others preaching foolishness. <laughs> they may have heard about scandals, cover-ups, but maybe they haven't heard what you've heard. Maybe they don't know what you believe. Maybe if they knew what you know about Jesus, they may be interested. You can let them know that He's your best friend. 
He's your hope. He's the one you love and the one you live for. It doesn't take a Bible degree or much theology to let someone know about what you believe. And if you're serious about sharing, ask God to direct you to to someone you can visit. He will answer that prayer and give you the words to say. You might even pray the words of the hymn, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I bravely do my part to win that soul for thee. Mary Magdalene, whose life was changed drastically when Jesus healed her from seven demons, shows us the devotion to Jesus involves sorrow, seeking, serving, seeing, and sharing. So how's your devotion to Jesus? Are you finding that the world is creeping in on your devotion to Him? If so, be reminded of the words from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where we are not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let God begin the renewal in you. Let this day be the beginning of a deeper devotion to Jesus. Because you're only a prayer away, and it doesn't take much. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity to hear from you, to be challenged from your word, to be encouraged by you as well too. And Lord, as we think of our devotion to you, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be tapping on our shoulders about this. Letting us know that if, you know, if we are devoted to you and there's some things we're doing well, Lord, let us know about that. Affirm that in us. Lord, if there's some areas in our life where just, it seems like it's dragging us, stretching us away from you and our devotion to you, Lord, as you point that out to us, I pray that we in obedience would agree with you and come to you in prayer and say, help me with that, Lord. I want to devote my whole life to you, but those things just seem to kind of get in the way. Help me with that area in my life, Lord. And as we pray that prayer, you better believe God's going to answer that prayer for you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us in those areas in our life that might be dragging us away from our devotion to you. And, Lord, as as we've learned here from Mary's life, in this portion of Scripture, and we turn to You in our devotion to You. That we turn to You in sorrow and, and seeking after You and serving others in You and seeing You in situations and sharing You as well. That our devotion will go deeper with You in our lives. I would think that everybody here today could at least be praying that. <laughs> Help my devotion to you to go deeper. Lord, thank you for how you meet us where we're at. And Lord, you're in the business of cleaning up lives, repairing lives, making whole what was broken. So Lord, I pray that you would work in in those lives who are here today that are asking you, to help their devotion go deeper with you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us. Thank you for, thank you for challenging us with your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would then go from here living out what we've heard here today. Thank you, Lord, for those doers of your word. Help us, Lord, not just to be hearers, but to be doers of your word. We love you, Lord, and thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. And Lord, as the worship team comes on up and we close out in a couple songs, I pray, Lord, that our focus would be all upon you. Help us, Lord, to realize that you need to be first place in whatever we're involved with, whatever we're doing. And Lord, as we do that, we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.